I think also illustration has got that handmade feel. It it feels like it's you know created by somebody. Um, it has a human touch. Welcome to the Pixel Paper Podcast, a series where we get to know the creative processes behind up-and-coming digital artists. My name is Noor, graphic designer and work-in-progress artist, and I'll be your host for this series. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. For the sake of our audience, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Tom Kahosi Cole. Uh, I've been working as a freelance illustrator and designer for the last uh, 10, 11 years. Uh, I mainly make work for children's books and children's book publishers. Uh, I also do a lot of design for animation. Um, so doing things like backgrounds and character design. Uh, yep. I studied at Kingston University. Uh, I left there in 2011. Uh, I did illustration and animation, but then I switched back to illustration after a year of animation uh, to do a lot of printmaking work. Uh, yeah, uh, mm. I mainly work in Photoshop. Uh, recently got an iPad, which I love. Uh, so I'm drawing on that as much as I can now. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's me. Mm, nice I mean there's a lot there actually for me to unpack but I just realized actually that um my last interview that I did which is going out in probably September he also studied in Kingston the artist who I interviewed but um I really he yeah he he graduated a couple of years ago so you probably won't know him but um yeah yeah, he's he's called Junho Ko um and he studied illustration yeah maybe yeah he also studied uh I believe it's just illustration that he studied but yeah, it's interesting. Um, but we can get onto that a bit later. I just want to tell the audience why I uh, wanted to interview you. Actually, you were one of the artists, first artists that I really just wanted to get on the podcast. So I'm really excited that you're, you know, you agreed because I remember I picked up your book, The Warhorse, which you illustrated um, in the bookstore, and I just like fell in love with your illustrations because at that time I was actually commissioned to do some children's book illustrations myself so I was just looking for inspiration and so when I saw your style I was like oh my god this is just perfect you know um so could you tell us a bit more about the background behind your art and your journey yeah yeah of course yeah um yeah thanks for picking up the book um it's much appreciated uh yeah I guess well a lot of it comes from Kingston I think uh Mm -hmm. we were always taught that an illustration needs to communicate a story or an idea um 
to the viewer and that was kind of really drilled into us at uni I, I think uh, mm. I tend to try and always have some kind of narrative in in every like, illustration uh, mm. because of I think my tutor Jeff was just like what's it saying what you know <laughs> where's the story where's the action um, yeah but a lot of the time what needs to be communicated is kind of outlined in a brief from a client so uh the job of an illustrator for most of my jobs are just to kind of communicate the brief uh but on the rare occasions that I do a bit of personal work I I kind of have to think up think up something myself uh mm. so yeah usually it will just be a little bit of movement or a bit of action somebody uh I, I don't know interacting with another character um but I feel like as like putting characters even like a little bit of wind sometimes can help mm -hmm. uh you know the, uh, movement on clothes but some kind of movement often kind of starts to tell a story in an image uh and then I think you can kind of build from there uh yeah I often ask myself like what's happening where's the action where's the movement which way is the sun going mm -hmm. uh which way is the main character looking and moving that kind of yeah uh that kind of stuff sorry what was the second part of your question again and what influences the stories behind your art uh i think it's probably um oh, i don't know really maybe a reflection of some of the things that i'm soaking up as i'm mm -hmm. kind of in my everyday life i guess watching films and uh and reading often watching kind of sci-fi film always kind of inspires me to make some some work about space or mm -hmm. uh yeah I think books and film and often kind of weirdly landscape photography are just love and uh yeah oh, nice. so I'm always kind of hunting that down on online oh. um yeah that, that kind of often that's cool do you do landscape fine. photography yourself no no um but I often like if I'm away on holiday or something mm -hmm. I'll take a lot of photos to kind of use as reference uh, mm -hmm. I kind of would much prefer to gather all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff myself um mm -hmm. but they're never they're never good pictures they're never really worth sharing but yeah but I think in a way that's good because um there's an artist I follow online called Angry Miko I don't know if you know him Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 So he he said in one of his videos that he likes to use bad reference photos because when you're making the art, you're actually adding onto the image as opposed to just copying a really nice photo already. Because if the photo's already nice, then there's not much else to add. But if the photo's bad, the photo reference, then you're enhancing the image through your art. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great point. <laughs> so don't feel bad um, if your photos are No, bad. no, no, that's that's really good. I I often like I'll take really bad photos, but then I'll just chop them up. So I'll mm. be like, uh, you know, like take the sheep from that one and take the <laughs> hill from this one and the sky from that one. Because uh, they're never like great as a whole piece, but there'll yeah. be, there might be something in, in each one that's got something worth keeping. I think. Yeah, that's smart. And when you, um, you were saying like when you uh, do personal work, for example, you try and you try and put a story behind it. So is that normally more spontaneous or do you have like a place where you record your thoughts and emotions or, you know, inspirations or anything like that? Uh, I have a, I mean, I write, I write a kind of, or well, I have been for the last year since the pandemic, like a little kind of 
journal of what I'm up mm. to each morning um just kind of ref- like what I did the previous day but uh, less so kind of ideas I-, I kind of tend to like just like start a new google document if I ever have an idea and then I'll write a load of stuff in it uh and I started using an app called Notion, which oh, is Oh, I love good. Notion. I love Notion. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, actually. I've got um, got really obsessed with using it for food. I've got, like, recipes mm-hmm. that I've been cooking. And, like, I yeah, I write down all the ingredients so that if I go shopping, then I know exactly what to get. It's great. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's so great. And even for this podcast, like, it's been so useful because I can organize everything in, like, an Excel kind of sheet. And then within that Excel sheet, I can put all the pages of the people and I can just put all the questions in and all the answers. It's great. I love Notion. <laughs> yeah. I love the like a, a note within a note, within yes. a note, within, yes. you know, that you can really exactly. just keep going deeper and deeper. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of, yeah, I keep notes in there. Uh, yeah. But it's, I mean, the amount of time that I get to do personal work is quite, it's, it, I mean, it's been more over the pandemic, but mm. uh yeah it's never loads of time so I kind of tend to my personal work tends to be less kind of like long ideas and more like a quick thing that I want to test out or something you know yeah Um, do you think it's important to always do personal work on the side uh yeah I think so I think Mm. it keeps you I think you can get a little bit well a bit down sometimes if Mm -hmm. you're you're just doing client work um because it feels like nothing is for you especially yeah. when um if you're if you do kind of back-to-back jobs that are quite kind of like hard going and often when you're doing a, a job you're asked to make so many changes that uh you know you can really feel like it's not something that you've created anymore right. or like you don't have much attachment to it so I think it's quite good doing personal work to kind of like like reset who like where your work's going um mm. or you know what you want to do um yeah. and just to kind of have a bit of fun with your work because otherwise doing illustration can turn into a real job uh, yeah. and yeah I feel like uh for me there's been years where it's kind of like it's I've done a lot more personal work and it's been a lot more fun and then a couple of years in between that have been quite hard that have been like just doing really quite tough jobs that you know you, uh, yeah just didn't yield that much kind of like fun so you kind mm-hmm. of I think it's important to keep uh keep it you know mm. the personal work going at all yeah. times so for mental sanity you would say <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah your work ranges from various sectors so I know you mentioned space um, you've done the Warhorse book and then you've done various other works as well but you always seem to have a consistent style so is this a conscious decision on your behalf? Uh, I mean I never feel like it looks consistent but mm. thank you for saying so <laughs> um, but I think I think that's one of the biggest challenges as an illustrator um, I, I definitely I'm very kind of like aware that I need to try and do that uh, yeah I'm I I think my work changes across jobs quite a lot, but I try and keep certain things the same. So I, I'll always kind of use similar brushes, uh, similar color palettes. And then mm. there's like ways that I draw certain things like trees or leaves or people uh, or hills or clouds or whatever. 
Um, and I think those sometimes when I'm drawing them, I'll be like, ah, oh, it would be more, it would be more in keeping with other things that I've done if I did it like this and so on. But I think it always varies on the, you know, on the brief. Uh, sometimes you don't have much control over that. And and then what you make sometimes doesn't kind of look, doesn't fit with the rest of your folio. And then you have that awkward uh moment where you have to decide whether to put it on your website or not and yeah uh mm. it's it's very tough to keep your work looking consistent um some people are incredible at it i i don't feel like i'm that that good at it but uh yeah thank you um yeah what else could i say about that <laughs> um, no, that's fine if that's all you have to say but I mean, I think for me, what it is about your work that's consistent is like the vibrancy of the colours, because you have very like saturated colours. And I think you also put in a lot of detail into your work. Um, so yeah. how do you how do you strike the balance between kind of keeping saturated colours, but still relatively natural as well? Like they're not too out there or anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's quite tough. I think I um I think I always lean towards the kind of richer colours. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I was basically never like taught proper colour theory, uh, like a, the kind of colour wheel and mm. how it works and stuff. So I've always just kind of experimented with colours uh, until I find something that works. Um, but yeah, I've always made little swatches uh, that I keep in a little folder. Mm -hmm. And then there's like reference pictures I've, swatched as well um I think there's certain things that you kind of lean towards like I when I first started illustration I just uh, it's almost like I picked like blue yellow orange and like <laughs> pink turquoise kind of tealy green and we're like these are my colors and I don't know why I think a lot of it came from screen printing so I did a oh, lot of uh, okay. yeah I did a lot of screen printing at uni so in the third year and like in order to do a consistent run of prints, you, you wouldn't want to kind of like come back and have to remix a color the next day because mm. then it would quite likely be different. So I used to use like shop bought colors. Uh, so I just use like cyan, magenta, you mm. know, the main kind of like ones that you can buy from the art yeah. shop. And, uh, and then when I started making digital work, I think that uh, that just kind of carried through. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I never was really kind of uh, had much direction on colour. Um, but yeah, there's a few things that I think are good to remember though with colour. Uh, one thing that I've kind of read about a bit is that if you if you let one colour uh, one colour dominate, that kind of can quite I don't know it can kind of bring an image together if you have mm -hmm. two colors that are almost the same amount of each one so say you had I don't know blue and a red but they were both kind of in equal measure uh the image can kind of look a little bit mixed whereas if you have one that has 70 percent and one that has 30 percent of the mm -hmm. you no know, the picture it I, I don't know the image seems to work a bit better um yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like often like if you build an image on one color you can like hint at loads of other little colors in it but the main color is blue say or the main color is red or you know uh 
yeah so that's that's mm. one thing I try and remember mm. um yeah and then maybe like making uh making kind of color like if you think about color in terms of like the natural world like sometimes I just try and kind of copy you know what would be you know real so like plants are you know green and you know I don't yeah. know the mist has this certain effect on a, a hill or on trees it makes it desaturates them um one tip that I always think of is that uh as colors recede into the distance uh you can kind of add blue to make them look like mm. they do in real life like as they go into the distance the atmosphere kind of makes them look bluer Mm. Uh, and desaturate them a little bit um so the further and further back you go the less and less saturated uh yeah that's always a good uh always a good little tip yeah um yeah yeah that's cool so do you think you'd follow you follow that advice consciously like the tip of letting one color dominate the image uh i think um it's something that i read more recently actually oh. maybe in the last like three or four years um mm what was the book called it was like uh oh, it's an animator um the background designer mm -hmm. uh something noble the noble approach that's it mm -hmm. uh there's a yeah a great book about doing backgrounds for animation and he talks about color theory in that book and uh yeah i'd recommend that book to anyone that's a, mm -hmm. definitely a great a great book um oh there's also one called uh a dictionary of color combinations which is mm -hmm. it's really good as well um mm. if you want some kind of nice swatches and it's a nice kind of nicely made little book very small yeah, but uh, cool. and sit on your computer it's, yeah it's great uh -huh. it sounds cool i just wanted to touch back on the what you said about printmaking because i think that's really interesting um i feel like a lot of the artists i've interviewed they have some kind of traditional art that they go back to so do you still do traditional art at all uh I mean I do I do a little bit yeah mm. but not not as much as I'd like to um I I tend to kind of like uh do a little bit of sketching in my sketchbook before any project uh mm -hmm. so I'll do like little thumbnails um with pencil or ink and then yeah I haven't been printmaking for ages which is which is kind of like uh it's been quite sad like I, I would love to do that mm -hmm. um I think maybe that's something to do in the future. But yeah, over lockdown, I bought this like little paint box, which is really cool. It's like mm -hmm. a, it's called a pochard box. Mm -hmm. you, you can kind of like put a little panel in it. And then I've been taking out gouache paints and uh, they're really nice because they have like a chalky feel to them. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a really nice kind of like paint to play with. And it's quite easy to clean up. I started mm -hmm. with oil and I was getting absolutely you know yeah. covered in it and when I was taking it out to this there's a little wood near my house basically uh -huh. I was taking it out there and coming back and all my clothes were ruined so oh, gosh. <laughs> I switched to gouache um yeah and I've been trying to do that as much as I can but I'm still like a, a million miles off being good enough to kind of like add that to my I don't know my other work or share it with anyone mm. I feel like it's quite you know they're quite embarrassing my uh, attempts but yeah Hopefully. But it's good. It's good, like that you, like you feel like it's a good thing, right, to have a traditional medium to kind of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Audition. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's uh, it keeps you on your toes. You know, mm. it's um, yeah. I think there's something about it. Uh, 
if you just if you're just drawing with one i don't know i like spend way too much time on a wacom yeah. uh tablet and i'm like sometimes i'm like i can barely even draw with a pencil because I, i've almost forgotten and i'm yeah. subconsciously trying to press undo with my other hand and i can't <laughs> on the paper and i think it just yeah it's good to switch it up I, I think it makes you i don't know a little bit more flexible and it adds to your work i think, I think so. uh, yeah. So yeah 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 definitely i think in a way it. we're like spoiled because we have control z <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, the amount of times I use it almost per line that I draw sometimes yeah. is a, sometimes each line is, is done three times before it's right. And it's mm. like, uh, you know, this is not, uh, yeah, it's not yeah. how the masters did it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is the new age now. <laughs> we have to yeah. adapt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you are part of an agency, correct? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go about getting into an agency? Because maybe people listening to this may be interested in doing the same. Um, yeah, well, I so I met an agency when I was at uni, actually, uh, mm. just after at the just before my degree show. Um, mm. uh, they were called the Artworks and they were great. They they kind of gave me like a portfolio review and then I, I had like a one year trial with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it took me maybe, I think I didn't get any jobs for about eight months or something. But then like right towards the end of the trial year, I got an editorial job. Uh, oh, cool. And, and that was kind of like my first ever real job. Um, hmm. Yeah. And then uh, more recently, I moved to a different agency called uh, Everyone Agency. Um, mm -hmm. And that's run by a lady called Helen, who's, who's really lovely. And yeah, it's, yeah, I... I think I've definitely I'm not very good at the kind of like self-promotion or business side of right. things so having an agent has like been like a massive help for me um I I'd say if 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 you're similar to me in that respect and you know need help in that department it's definitely definitely a really good way of uh of kind of like just being able to get on with the work and not have to kind of like stress too much about because mm. there's a lot of um organization that goes into kind of putting together a job uh often like the back and forth and the sending a quote and getting that back and mm. you know i i just hate doing all of that so yeah. it's, it's been yeah it's been very um it's been very good having an agent mm -hmm. and then doing all the all the promotion that's you know and it's just the support often like on a job you're quite stressed anyway and then you'll mm. get some changes through and you'll be tearing your hair out and then you can call your agent and, mm. and be like you know and, and discuss the changes and they can go back to them and it's like having a buffer between you and yeah. the client which is a which is really nice um yeah. but then I know I I do know loads of people that have done it without having an agent and have been like super successful my do you know there's a lady called uh nina cosford do you know her no um she's really she's really great uh you should check her out but she mm -hmm. uh yeah she's never had an agency i don't think anyway um and she was in my year at uni and she's mm -hmm. just done incredibly well but she's so so good at kind of like the social media aspect and yeah and just kind of like 
looking out for herself and 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 so on and i think it's like absolutely possible to do it like either way i don't think there's there's necessarily a right way to do it but um i i'd say it it can really help at the start having an agency um Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it can be a little bit intimidating kind of approaching an agency because you almost want to have a portfolio already yeah before you meet an agent but they you're meet you're kind of like going to an agency in order to kind of get help to create a portfolio so it's uh, it's a, it's a typical a job yeah. dilemma like you need experience to get a job but to get a job you need experience <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah and there's no easy way to do it I think um I mean or oh, I don't know what I'd recommend but maybe yeah I mean you can reach out to to most people these days on Instagram uh mm-hmm. so I guess you can you can get in touch with any agency really uh Mm -hmm. through that but yeah having having a kind of like having a meeting with someone face to face is always quite good I think you can kind Mm -hmm. of you know start a relationship and even if it doesn't uh start with you getting uh, you know represented by them straight away uh just making that kind of initial contact and getting some feedback on your portfolio because an agent will definitely uh if you ask kind of give you some some great feedback on like what they're looking for and if you're not right then uh, what you could do to improve your portfolio um, yeah so I think it, it, it's definitely worth definitely worth reaching out to people mm-hmm. yeah definitely I think like you said there's the possibility of doing it either way and I guess sometimes if you're a freelance illustrator it might get a bit lonely right so you know maybe having an agent is kind of a, yeah. a good way to yeah offset the loneliness <laughs> yeah definitely yeah even for the uh there's like uh like you know like the christmas party every year mm. which is worth uh it's just nice meeting other illustrators yeah. and you're kind of all all in the same boat you know and all have something in common so yeah it's, it's really nice it can be quite a lonely job actually uh mm-hmm. i spent years working from home on my own and um yeah i don't i wouldn't recommend it forever it's uh yeah i think it's quite nice getting out and working in a I don't know this you know workspaces that you can go to or you know just meeting other people but I think it's the kind of like leaving the house at nine getting home at six you know feeling like you you're a, a real person is yeah. the kind of the nice thing about that um yeah 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 definitely and you mentioned as well um client work so I wanted to just speak a bit more about that how do you kind of go from client brief to the final product what's your process oh well um I mean in an ideal world it's literally you get the brief you do a rough they like the rough and then you do the final artwork and then it gets approved but uh yeah in reality I think there's always a lot more to be done there's uh, there's always a lot of changes that go on uh so realistically uh there, there'll maybe be two rounds of changes at the rough stage and two or three changes at the final stage and uh, for me that's always been a little bit easier because I'm doing it in photoshop uh so you know some someone wants something changed from red to blue or something you know it's literally very easy or you know a character removed you can just turn the layer off but um I think that's in fact why I 
gravitated towards Photoshop is is because I was getting so many changes from mm. from clients that it just made the process easier. Uh, I started well, all my kind of first couple of years of illustration, I did everything on a light box, um, and I, I'd like draw in black and white, mm-hmm. scan it in stuff so if there were changes and i'd have to go back to the light box and you know it would take a lot longer um yeah but yeah the process is kind of it depends i mean you can have uh really smooth jobs that go through straight away and they love it or i think i had one where i had something like 34 changes to a poster which was which was like an absolute nightmare um yeah i think it's worth having like uh in your initial agreement mm. like setting out a kind of I, i'd say a realistic number is like mm. two to three changes at rough stage and two to three changes at the final stage uh depending on how easy it is for you to make them um but yeah and then any more than that you can kind of uh charge a fee for your time because you can literally you know be doing changes forever uh so yeah mm. it's good to have an end point yeah, I mean, speaking of that, where is it possible to even draw a line kind of with a client saying, I'm sorry, I can't do that? Because, I mean, when you're doing client work, do you try and stick with your style or do you just kind of go with exactly what they want? Is there a line between that? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm definitely on the uh, kind of like do whatever they want um, <laughs> end of the spectrum. Um and then my kind of approach has always been like, you know, they're paying me to do the job. So I'm doing it, you know, I'm trying mm. to make it as much, you know, like they would like it as possible. And I want, mm. you know, I'd like to have a, you know, happy customer that's pleased with the image at the end, yeah. not somebody that's kind of like, feels like they've kind of had to fight a battle against somebody that's like, mm. wants mm-hmm. it to look like their own thing. But uh, I mean, it's a it's a very difficult line to draw I think uh yeah I think you kind of have to just play it by the situation really um Mm -hmm. there's definitely been times where you know my I've said to my agency you know I'm not sure about this change or can we push back on that or you know and some things that you'll you'll look at and you'll be like well I think it would be better if we went if we did this instead Mm. and I think, yeah, just having a conversation each time. Um, it's quite hard to draw a kind of straight, you know, strict line of like mm. where, what's acceptable and not. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that definitely helps if you have an agency because you don't, you don't yeah. have to do it yourself because it's quite a scary thing to do, definitely. <laughs> um, I don't, I have done it in the past. And I, yeah, I'm always quite uncomfortable saying, mm. saying no. Um, yeah. Mm, not recommended then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no but absolutely I think you know if uh, I think uh yeah there is a kind of like uh, I I think there is some integrity you know that you have to keep in your in your work and mm. I think you can say it is right to say no at times I think it's just yeah it depends mm-hmm. on the situation I think mm. yeah definitely and this was something I was kind of curious about is um why would companies want illustrations because they could hire a photographer they could kind of get a motion designer or they could get a 3d graphics person i mean you can literally create anything through 3d graphics so why would people or companies should i say want 
their campaign or whatever to be illustrated? Uh, well, I always think the illustrations are like super flexible. Um, mm -hmm. You can like you can literally like show anything together. I don't know. You can piece together an image in exactly how somebody mm -hmm. wants. Um, and that's very difficult with photography, you know, to do, a, I don't know, to draw a cow on the moon or something, you, you know, like you can draw that easily, but you can't yeah. photograph it. But, uh, and nowadays, think, yeah, as you say, think anything's achievable in CG. Mm. Um, but I just think that often requires quite a big team, be quite expensive, whereas like illustration, it's pretty cost effective. Um, you're often employing one person uh and you know i think also illustration has it has that kind of like it's, it's got that handmade feel it it feels like it's you know created by somebody um it has a human touch mm. uh which i think often uh clients or companies that are commissioning illustration that's what they're looking for is they, they kind of want to say that they're uh you know we're a small company that cares about our yeah. you know team and workforce and customers and stuff so on so I, I feel like illustration is a great way to kind of like communicate the person to person mm. uh, aspect of it yeah yeah actually just on that a question that just came to me now I mean you mentioned about small companies wanting to be kind of they have this humane approach so do you you do all your illustrations in um, Rasta right uh how do you mean what like i mean what, like, because, like i'm looking i'm looking at your illustrations and they all kind of have this raster feeling but you know these days clients want like vector illustrations for their websites right so do okay, you yeah. have you ever done that kind of work or is it purely raster that you do uh yeah i mean everything i make is in photoshop really okay. uh i do i have had some jobs where i've needed to um vectorize things but mm -hmm. i usually my my kind of comeback to that is that i usually just make a bigger photoshop <laughs> file that they can yeah. scale up um yeah <clears throat> yeah i think yeah I, I i've never actually learned illustrator properly i can just use like do some basic things mm. in it so uh yeah but i know it's a great tool like loads of people i know love it and use it really well i think um just for me i've always focused on like texture and kind of brush marks and so on mm. so they're quite hard to achieve in uh in uh illustrator mm. or in vectors yeah yeah no i mean it definitely adds like character to your work but um actually just speaking on kind of softwares and things i noticed you also do animation um so i'm really curious to kind of know a bit more about that do you do frame by frame animation do you hand draw everything or do you use after effects uh yeah a little bit of both actually um mm. I, I do i mean i don't tend to animate much but i i'll do a little bit of after effects stuff sometimes mm. and then um yeah i i mean this year I've, be, I've been just helping out on a job cleaning up animation so in photoshop uh yeah just doing like frame by frame painting each layer mm. yeah which has been it's you know it's been quite fun um mm -hmm. Yeah, but I just do that in Photoshop. Uh, and I, I kind of, my animation skills are kind of a little bit limited. Um, I'm, I, I tend to, if I'm on an animation job, I tend to be doing the backgrounds uh, or mm. the storyboards. But uh, yeah, I, I think 
I mean, After Effects is an amazing program. Uh, I'd love to know it more. I kind of tend to like make a scene and like twinkle the stars or like, uh, you know, like do a shooting star or move some clouds or some mist. But um, yeah, my uh, my skills are kind of limited at that really. But yeah, yeah. I, I can't, yeah. Fair enough. But is the way that you make the Photoshop file different when you animate? Like, is there anything that's different? About it. yeah yeah definitely mm. yeah it needs to be everything needs to be on layers um mm. and often like if you're doing a normal drawing you wouldn't have to like draw behind something uh to say if you had a plant in the foreground oh, yeah, yeah. you know you wouldn't need to draw the what's behind it but mm. in animation when that's moving you need to draw everything on each layer so um yeah you just have to plan it a little bit more uh and yeah make sure make sure you're being neat with your uh you know like labeling each thing because when they transfer from photoshop to after effects you know you want to know that you're just seeing little kind of layer you know layer 34 layer 35 so it's better to kind of like be really organized have everything ready to go um yeah and kind of organized a bit like a stage so foregrounds at the top and the backgrounds at the back and everything in between is in order um, mm -hmm. yeah okay. yeah yeah so name your layers everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially if you're on like uh if you're working at a company yeah i always get told off for that uh or like i remember going into a company and i was using uh these things called clipping masks and mm. uh everybody else was using like normal masks and people were like what the hell are these and i was like uh, uh you know and I, ev all of my files had like one layer with 12 layers clipped to it and yeah so yeah <laughs> it's quite you gotta gotta learn your uh what how people like to receive receive their work yeah. yeah yeah um another thing i wanted to actually speak about was uh social media so how what kind of role does social media play in your in your art journey or in your illustration journey? Um, I mean, social media is it definitely plays like a really huge role in my business. I feel like uh, my Instagram is is way more kind of visited than my website. Mm -hmm. I don't think many people actually go on my website anymore. Um, yeah it's almost like my instagram feels like it's like a social website uh or a blog or, or whatever um and i think it does bring in definitely brings in work and keeps you kind of like in in kind of people's uh i don't know recent memory i guess mm. um but having said that i'm pretty useless at uh at, at keeping on top of it i i kind of really uh i'm not very good um and I think often I worry because I don't have many things to post because often I'll be doing longer jobs, mm. for example, say like Warhorse where I was working on it for two years, but I wasn't allowed to post anything. So, oh, wow. you know, but I'm, you know, working on it almost every other day. So mm. it would feel like, uh, yeah, it would feel like there was never anything to post. So I think it's just about being organised. Um, yeah I, I definitely should probably be posting more kind of process things and you know like how how things are going rather than needing to always just post the final outcome mm -hmm. uh but yeah I think it's really it's a really important 
kind of vehicle for you know growing your audience and your client base i think uh loads of people i know have uh huge followings and mm. yeah way you know they get all their work from there and yeah i i definitely feel like i'm uh i'm like slacking on that that <laughs> front but yeah i think uh do you know Behance or Behance? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I really like that one actually because mm-hmm. it's kind of a little bit more like you can post the project and post all the kind of like uh, development work from it. And yeah, I, I quite like that platform actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely yeah, it's really important. I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess everyone has their own social media platform, you know, like the ones that they gravitate towards yeah yeah as well yeah because there's so many these days like i'm trying tiktok but it's just not sticking with me so yeah that's just yeah, yeah. um yeah, but what you I, mentioned about I, the process yeah sorry go ahead oh sorry i was just gonna say i don't know if it would work for me either i'm not very i'm a bit shy on camera and uh <laughs> yeah yeah don't know. but i mean what you were saying about sharing the process is very important i mean like um instagram i don't know if you know but instagram has now released the reels have you heard of uh, it? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. What, like, um, are they like I don't know videos of? Yeah, like so it's like it's like TikTok videos, like the okay. vertical format, fifteen thirty seconds. People post a lot of like um, you know their process, kind of you know just little snippets, um, yeah, which is really yeah. useful, and it gets a lot of engagement as well because people are really yeah. interested in seeing that kind of thing yeah yeah definitely um mm. no i'm i'm always uh always enjoy watching people's process um mm. i'm always just a bit nervous to share it myself because i'm like <laughs> what if it's gonna be rubbish or or no, like no, if, not at all. If, if the client doesn't like it or you know um yeah and the ipad is actually really good for that because it yeah. exports like a little video doesn't it um, yeah exactly yeah i started yeah. trying to make a youtube channel um over lockdown where mm. I was like exporting videos of like YouTube sketches that I was doing yeah. um yeah but I I kind of I need to there's so many things I was trying yeah. and then I I jumped onto one called Dribble uh-huh. and I was like oh maybe this is the new thing and then yeah it's uh I get kind of like quite easily uh swayed by the new mm, the, the new, new platform yeah yeah but I know I'm neglecting the other ones and I should yeah so I mean, a tip it's that I've heard, yeah, but the tip that I've heard is just focus on two or three platforms, max, Yeah. and then just yeah, stick with yeah. those, because you can't do everything, <laughs> you just can't. No, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's kind of take it back to your childhood, because I think what's really interesting is that your dad is also an artist, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he does, he's yeah. So how, yeah. how is it like growing up? you know with a artistic parent or parents yeah it was it was great actually um yeah there was always a lot of artwork around and uh yeah my my parents really enjoyed going to exhibitions so uh yeah we went to quite a lot as kids and then my uncle was also a painter uh Mm. so we'd always go down and see him and I think it, it just kind of like uh maybe like showed that you could do that as a job even though my dad didn't do it as he was kind of did part-time painting and he's a teacher mm. um but he does a lot more painting now um but yeah I think it kind of like it 
it kind of showed me that it was possible I guess and I was always like I enjoyed doing kind of art as a kid so it was nice uh getting getting some good feedback from from my parents mm. uh they were quite they've always been quite kind of a good sounding board for ideas um mm -hmm. especially when I was at uni I used to kind of like because the projects were kind of all you know self-led and all quite stressful to kind of like finish in time I'd always yeah. like be calling them up like what do you think about this idea and that da, 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 da. um mm. yeah so yeah it definitely it, it was real I think I, yeah I was very lucky to have uh have a few a few people that were uh creative in the family um mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's really really great nice. uh, yeah and um you also mentioned self-led projects which nicely leads me on to my next question which is um how do you manage to sit, stay kind of self-motivated and self-organized as a freelance illustrator uh, i mean it's a challenge definitely yeah. <laughs> um yeah i i think it i mean i think you have to accept that it kind of goes in ups and downs um motivation that is uh I think doing a few things, you know, like a few personal projects is really good. Uh, I find that, like, for, weirdly, as I've got older, like, I've noticed a lot more that taking a break is, like, a really important uh, mm -hmm. kind of, like, part of staying motivated. Like, I'll do a job and get really burnt out by it, and it often be kind of, like, three or four months on that one job um but then have a real long break you know have like two or three weeks of just doing my own stuff or kind of like maybe going uh on holiday or you know going to visit a new place or see some exhibitions or whatever and I think having a bit of time away always kind of like makes me excited to come back and do something new uh mm. yeah so I think but it's very hard to stay motivated I I think um yeah maybe like being organized is quite a good a good way to do it or like you know if you when you when everything's in place and kind of easy for you to make your work like uh having like nice routines uh so like you you have a studio um that you go to every day and you know certain people that you kind of like share it with that you discuss your work with and mm. bounce ideas off you know um, and seeing them working on a, on projects kind of helps motivate you. But yeah, having a bit of a kind of structure to your day, I find is a big help because I think uh, motivation is going to kind of come in and out. But if you're always going in, you're always making something and you never quite know when, you know, it could strike halfway through the day. So mm. uh, yeah, if you're in already and you've done all that, you've had your porridge and you've, you know, done your emails then you're ready to go anyway and then yeah mm -hmm. uh yeah I, I, it's yeah it's a tough one yeah no I mean I think that really makes sense I mean there's a book that I really like called um The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield ah yeah it's great yeah 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 he talks about um no matter what you have to just keep slogging through like no matter yeah. if you've got a lot of resistance it doesn't matter you just yeah. keep every day you just keep plugging through um, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I think just turning up is the key mm, turning uh, up that's what it was yeah <laughs> yeah like I, I try and set myself a thing where like 
even though illustration, if you're freelance or whatever, it's not necessarily like a full-time job. Like if you treat it like a full-time job, but like you go in, you sit, you sit there from nine till six or whatever, or whenever you finish. Mm. But uh, if you're there, then you're going to make some work and, you know, it might not all be good, but uh, at least you're doing it and you're moving it forward. So, mm. yeah, I think it, oh, it's a great book that though. Yeah, so, definitely. Definitely, definitely recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like we've answered the other questions, but I guess my final question would be, um, where would you like to see yourself moving forward in your career? Well, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough one. I don't know. I've, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm. Uh, I always have this one. I mean, when I, when I eventually retire, I would like to get into painting full time. Mm. Um, but in the kind of nearer future um i'd quite like to work on like a maybe like a, a tv series or a film uh-huh. um doing back doing some backgrounds uh, or art working or being an art director uh I, quite a few of my friends have kind of like transitioned into that a little bit and are making kind of like animated tv shows um and just like working as a big part of the team seems like mm. a really nice way to uh way to work um but yeah I think I think doing a bit of that I want to do a lot more um like a lot more travel drawing um with Mm -hmm. with my work at the moment I'm really enjoying I've been doing this kind of personal project slowly over the last nearly two years now and the pandemic's not made it easy but to kind of like draw the national parks around the UK Uh, so I've been kind of like trying to go to each one and I've only done about five or six national mm. parks so far i mean they're not there's not like somewhere like america where they're like miles away they're all quite uh you know not far driving yeah. distance or, or hopping on a train but um yeah just like i'd quite like to make some of my own books um about kind of places that i've been uh, and spend a little bit more time doing kind of slower work that's uh done from observation um but yeah yeah I, I mean yeah there's a there's a lot of things I'd like to do uh yeah but those are a few of them at the moment mm-hmm. yeah that's cool no I hope you can do that in the future and I hope that you know you'll be able to fulfill your national park dream <laughs> yeah yeah me too I do seven left I think or something oh amazing. Uh, yeah yeah it should be good I've yeah. I've kind of like I pitched the idea to a couple of publishers and uh uh, they've not no takers yet um yeah mm. but I think um I think it's partly because it kind of like I, it would technically only appeal to a you know UK audience and mm. lots of publishers like to kind of publish things that are uh you know much wider reaching like a, a picture mm. book can be published in many different languages but mm. uh yeah yeah we'll see um mm. hopefully. that's interesting just you mentioned the pitching thing how do you pitch your ideas to a publisher is it through like Ooh. presentation or yeah I, I yeah it's like um I I mean I put together like a document in InDesign mm. usually so mm. I'll start with kind of like an idea uh and like a title page and then a bit a bit about the idea and then uh I'll always do kind of maybe a couple of like storyboard sketches and almost like a mood board of images and Mm. like uh my idea for like the structure of a book and then 
uh, I'll try and do like one or two like finished artwork style frames. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of gives gives them like a a, a kind of an overview of of the idea. Uh, but yeah, I've done it in a couple of different ways. Sometimes I've, I just would send an email, uh, and then if they like it, they they might invite you in to discuss it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then yeah, with some publishers I've I've kind of worked with for quite a while so I've kind of like when I've gone in for a meeting I've been like oh do you want to have a look at this as well or you know um yeah but I think there's no kind of like concrete way to do it you just uh just kind of reaching out with an idea but I think the more the more you can show them in terms of like development uh the kind of like clearer the vision is then the easier it is for them to commission it mm-hmm yeah no that's cool i think that's just a nice little piece of information for people as well <laughs> it's a lovely like, um it's a lovely way to make work doing a children's mm-hmm. book it's, you get a lot more time often you get like a year or six months mm-hmm. or so so you can kind of like you develop it a lot more and spend a lot more time kind of like editing and uh yeah kind of pushing the characters and making mm-hmm. sure everything's right so yeah it's a really i'd recommend it as a a platform to make work definitely nice yeah and um is there anything like final comments that you want to say or anything uh i would just say um i guess to anyone starting illustration or kind of like leaving uni that just to kind of stick with it and and keep making work and uh I think um, making the work that you want to make is quite is quite important and shows your kind of your hunger and enthusiasm. Uh, I remember when I when I first left uni, I I didn't I really wanted to get a book cover commission, but I didn't have any book covers in my uh, portfolio. Mm. So I I made all these like fake book covers for <laughs> made up books that I'd made up with made up authors and titles and stuff. And then sent them out as like newsletters to publishers that I'd kind of like got their emails from their websites and stuff. And uh, eventually it did lead to one book cover commission and then another one. Took a long time, maybe two or three years before I got I got one. But it was uh, it was definitely kind of like I think if you show people the work that you would like to make, then there's you know they've got more evidence that you can make it mm. and. Yeah, I think yeah, and just kind of staying staying the course really. Uh it kind of definitely goes up and down and there's quiet patches and uh really stressful, hectic patches. But yeah, just kind of like, you know, having having breaks, not getting too stressed and uh yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, sticking with it, I'd say. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice to end with. Uh, but thank you so much, Tom. This was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me, Noor. It was great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hoped you enjoyed it, uh, learning from a professional illustrator and how he's been doing it for the last 10 plus years. And I thought it was particularly nice to hear about Tom's experiences growing up in a creative family and how that helped him and kind of molded him into the illustrator that he is today. And with that, I will end this episode here and I'll see you next week for another amazing episode right here on the Pixel Paper Podcast. Bye!